Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and today on the show, I'm very fortunate uh, to be joining him here in his uh, humble abode. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he's been working in the music industry for a long time. Uh, he's worked with the business side of music. He's, uh, he sings, he, uh, produ he's produced. Um, he is a, a very, uh, a good and valued friend of mine. Uh, I've known him for a couple of years now. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm here to talk to him about his artistry, uh, all of his passions, his story, and all the reasons why he does what he does. So Caleb, a.k.a. Professor, a.k.a. Prof, welcome yes. to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. You bet, man. Uh, how, are, how are you doing today? Doing great. You know, it's the day after Thanksgiving, and... Uh, I was glad you wanted me to come on to the show. Mm -hmm. I guess I could start from the humble roots. I guess uh, my father, a lot of people knew him as a leader. He's kind of a gangster. I think he ran with the Mickey Cobras Word. here. That was part of uh, Blackstone Nation. But he was actually abandoned in uh, Roseland, okay. roughly where they were building uh, the uh, interstate right there, the Dan Ryan. <clears throat> and there's a lot to that story. He was 11 years old. His father was killed. He was a famous reproduction painter. And uh, they killed him in an alley. He thought his father just left. Uh, my grandmother was Mamie Hampton, who they say she was related to the famous vibraphonist, mm. who, was, um, who was also a Hampton... Lionel Hampton, and uh, but anyway, she kind of had went crazy after that, leaving the the father gone with the, the you know five kids. So my father set out his whole life to be this leader over all of them. He was eleven at the time when she was going to the insane asylum at Dunning. She started to lose her mind, and so through that, it sort of. Uh, is a foundation for the upbringing that me, my brothers, and my sisters had. So I think it's important for people to understand he didn't have parents. So it was almost like, you know, when he went to raise us, it was like we were foster children. He knew no other way. He watched the uh, Godfather movies, uh, Goodfellas, to figure out a way to raise us. You know, it was like... The same way in the movies, yeah. that's how he was. So, taking care of all his brothers and sisters at 11, all the way on down, fighting the rats from the babies, trying to bite off the baby's toes, it's just an incredible story that he had. Wow. Though he never succeeded you know, financially, he was extremely smart, and uh, I, I owe a lot to him. So, I, I wanted to preface all this by saying that he's a big part. So, a lot of gangsters would come to ask him for advice. Uh, I know that my Uncle Greg, also around the Rukins, he was killed. Uh, they found him cut up in boxes. Crazy. Yeah. And uh, my other Uncle Sam is in jail for the rest of his life. And uh, it's sort of these roots of Chicago where it instilled a certain understanding 
of the streets and also he would teach us stuff like the stock market, teach us big words, tell us how to operate and move. So <clears throat> from that, my father took in anybody that he could, any brothers, so there were eight. Uh, I had eight brothers and five sisters, two blood, two blood sisters, two blood brothers. And uh, with all my brothers, we were like a gang. He even took in a young uh, Italian young man who had red hair. Mm -hmm. He took in a Jewish young man that uh, those guys went off to be in, uh, uh, Tony was his name. He went off to be in one of the top financial exec executives uh, in Michigan. Uh, Matthew Nice team went off to be an executive at a newspaper company in uh, Pittsburgh. And all of us are remedially successful, except for one of us who spent time in jail, but after he came out, went to get his degree. So mm -hmm. anyway, growing up, uh, he would say to us, you know, we got to find ways of making money outside of what we do. And I remember asking Elsie Higginbottom, one of the richest men in Chicago, if he could just give me a job. And I was maybe a 14. He did, but he was in the hood. My mother, she was white mixed with another. She had to take me to the job. And uh, it just wasn't working out. I, re I remember a guy on a, a hospital bed that they had put the wheelchair wheels on the, on the hospital bed and he's rolling himself. I mean, it was super hood over there off of Wentworth. And, uh, <clears throat> but with that being said, my mother said, I can't do it. And I said, that's fine. And so my father said, you got to do something or your little sisters won't eat. And this, this mattered to me uh, greatly. So I, I would go down, ride the train down to the subway, and I would sing down there. I know My parents loved me, but we had to do what we had to do. It's the Section 8, they pushed us all the way out to the south subway, the only way we could get a house. So I would ride back into the city, and I would sing down in the subway for four hours till I lost my voice. And I think that... It was scary down there at t from time to time. Other notable artists were down there, some celebrity folks now that were singing. And it, it, you know, I saw them on their grind and how they became successful. You know, so I think that that is a good foundation to saying what it is that, you know, started off me understanding there's a mm -hmm. different way of doing things. So running from the police, getting into trouble, all that stuff till moving up till today. So there you have it uh, about the past, you know. And uh, I also think that it's a lot of people out here that the, the slightest thing would just throw them off. Nobody is really trying to grind, grind. Nobody, I mean, just the smallest thing would just ruffle somebody's feathers. But if you come from something like that, it'll make you appreciate the things that you get and um, you know, actually not be afraid to do the things that you have to do to succeed. Well, I sang a lot, my brother sang a lot, and uh, we had got to college after uh, people figured out we were pretty smart, we got there, um, and we would throw these huge parties, but we would, we were vocalists, and we, we had done this competition 
And man, we, we smashed it. We did it at EIU. And we moved on to a Chicago State University. It was like the American Idol before there was anything like that. And the, uh, the prizes we were winning was like $25,000. We didn't even know what to do with that, you know? And so we moved up, but the school didn't even help us with any flight or anything. And so we said, look, if you don't do something, you know, we're just gonna let the media know. Like, man, we're, we're supporting the school. This is good for the school. And it comes to, we finally go out there to Philadelphia, but in the meantime, we knew that Aretha was coming, Aretha Franklin was coming to the uh, school mm -hmm. to perform. So we said, look, help us in Philadelphia, but let us open up for Aretha. They said, well, we don't have the power. I said, well, find a way to get in contact with her. And Aretha Franklin said, let them boys play. <laughs> and man, when we got that call, we, we just like lost it, you know? Yeah. And uh, so we opened up for multiple nights for Aretha. She liked what we were doing. We had this mama song and we had this other stuff and we were smashing it, man. And then Jon Stewart was like the host of one of our shows. Uh, the guy who did the, the roast. Who's mm. the guy? The, the, the guy on uh, Comedy Central's roast? Oh, uh, Was it Jeff Fort or no? What's his name? I can't remember his name, but. Sure. He, he you know, we had these like High high level comedians yeah. doing our hosting our show, and man, everything was going great. Um, then I started to see artists that were talented around on campus. So I'm like, look, we're throwing these parties. We had like 500 people there. This is kind of crazy, but Tony Romo was at our parties. <laughs> Matt Hughes was at our parties in the UFC. Uh, Lewis Taylor, who's in the UFC now, was one of the guys that stood at the door. Huh to bounce the door so nobody would run out when the police would come. You know how you do the yeah. party. Nobody Damn. could leave or come in, but when the police would come, we'd have a different person. Yeah. And we're still friends today, me and Lewis. I'm real proud of him. But uh, through, through all that, we started to gain this notoriety that was nationwide. And um, then the Aretha thing. So then... I'm like, why in the world don't we just run for vice president, president? So we ran for, I, I won vice president of the school, of the whole college. So I'm like, we need to bring Twister here. And uh, talked to the UB board and uh, Monique, this other lady, and we got Twister to come. So we got to host that show and start to work it all out financially wise, you know. Um, but one thing led to another, not to mention made a connection with Twister, and I was going to be featured on Kamikaze. But these guys, he was messing with Rockefeller Records. Rockefeller, they would always have this big bouncer character that would come up and be real tough to be the voice of that. They were smart, but they were bodybuilder guys. Sure. So maybe I shouldn't say all this, but I'm going to divulge this information. Yeah. How Rockefeller moves, uh, Rock Rockefeller Records, and they, they were like, most people bless Twister with their beats. And I'm saying, you talking about Carl? Carl Mitchell? You know? <laughs> and they're like, no, man, this is what it is. So the dude was like getting all in my face. I'm like, they're going to put my name on it. He said, no, man, we're going to buy the beat. And I had to turn it down. You know? It's just like, back then, people were just taking records and doing it like, Busta Rhymes said, this is dangerous. And that other song, Put Your Hands Where Your Eyes Can See, yeah. that was from a college student who paid like, he got paid like 7200 and like 40, 
eight hundred for the put your hands your eyes can see. I don't know. You can look that up for exact numbers, but but that that was how it was. It was real cutthroat. But if you got in at that time, which we did, uh, your stuff would fly, and you you make money off of those different things a lot better than today. Mm-hmm. So I met up with uh, Butch Stewart. You know, we're doing the stuff with Aretha. It was a good calling card. Mm-hmm. Butch Stewart did the Oprah show, and Harpo Studios. They he basically would buy tracks from me. That actually was a game changer. Finding out that I could make like five thousand dollars for one track that I produce, going into Harpo Sounds. That you can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Dropping that. <laughs> I owe a lot to him. He passed away young. But if I could ever get a chance to say, hey, man, thanks for what you did, it'd be a blessing, you know. But he's up in heaven, and he he hooked me up. And so I remembered that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a lot, you know. We did stuff with uh, in the the gospel industry from Kirk Franklin to, you know, working with Percy Beatty to this person, that Yolanda Adams, whatever, the secular industry. We did things with, uh, you know, I mean, countless secular artists. I don't know to name a few, um, but all in all, I've been in the industry for over 20, I'd say about 22 years. But really, what is the industry, you know? And I guess I would sort of walk into it saying, the industry is what you make it. Everybody wants to walk in with their song or this and that. And they're forgetting that there are many other streams. Right now, music's not making the money that it should. Yeah. You know, it's it's so hard right yeah, now. Totally. Even the majors are just pushing out song after song after song, you know. It's just, uh, it's just like everybody's pushing down that road. And I would say, have you looked into placing for film? Have you looked into placing for commercials? If you get on a Starbucks commercial, which I helped some friends through a placement company do some things with Star, Starbucks, but it was like second place, uh, a Heineken commercial, or this and that. And a lot of people are just, they're shooting for the fame. You know, and to me, all that fame, I've seen it eat my friends up. I've seen the fame, look, the three things that men compete with are the, the girls, the gold, and the glory, you know. And one of those three things I've seen take down my friends that were very talented, real successful. And um, you don't know which one is going to hit somebody. About man, when I get this paper, this I'm going to do this. But once it hits that person, it changes them. Yeah. And I, I watched it change them. And I would try to say things. I would try to say, hey, man, you know, all that fame, you know, how many times can you go back to that high school sweetheart and be like, you should have been with me, right? It's just, it's just fleeting. Yeah. So once you reach to that pinnacle, you don't know if you're going to go higher, but you're always going to come down. And it's just like the dopamine in the brain that when you're coming down, you just feel like a failure, even though you're not at you know, you're still doing some big things. Mm-hmm. It's just that constant reminder of you're, you're losing your fan base and your whatever and stuff. So I would have to say 
I wouldn't uh, be out there fighting for actual fame. Sure. There's, there's so many people that are in this world, but they're just humans. Mm -hmm. They're faulty. Right. Why would you look to another faulty human being? I don't care if it's family. Why would you look to anyone else for your sense of who you are or your well-being? It doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. It's as soon as Ben, this podcast blows up and you're on TV and whatever, you can automatically have some just haters or something. People that were on your side, now they're like, oh, you know, he's doing, you're just gonna, it's just human fault, you know? Mm -hmm. And I seriously look at that and I say to myself, there's only two people more that you have to be true to, and that's God and yourself. So I would really ask, like, uh, a buddy of mine is like, hey, man, you know, I'm going through these things with my wife. Well, I would say, look, man, if you're just, like, true to God and true to yourself, I think it'll just work itself out. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So that's number one. You got to stop looking at these other people and seeing what they're doing and thinking that that's you know, I'm going to follow this and do that. Just do you. Right, yeah. And do God. Or yeah, exactly. Whatever you believe is God or love, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, totally. I believe in God, but it's it's just the simple fact that it's easy. And when you sweep all that away, it opens up life in, in an incredible way. Mm -hmm. Th this, is, this is incredible if you really think about it. In Chicago, it's a lot of people that want to be leaders. A lot of people, self-made, I'm self-made, self-made millionaire, right? Yeah. But it just doesn't work that way. It, it takes a village. Mm -hmm. It takes, you're gifted at cinematography or podcasts or whatever, but you need other people yeah. that are gifted in marketing and gifted in this and gifted in that. And in Chicago specifically, we tend to think real clickish. You got like two guys and then we're going to do it all. But you may need a publicist. You may need this person or that person. And to be honest, without that, you're always just going to be stuck here at this level without moving forward. You know, when I think about game, I think general amounts of money earned. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. We're going to go down this road here. Yeah, yeah. John Nash, you know, game theory, the yeah. whole nine. Mm hmm. Uh, he's the reason why the earth is not an apple core. And then he also thought up game, you know, like, like we do a stalemate game to talk to women. And they talked to all the women around and there was the blonde that was left. And you saw a beautiful mind. Okay. Yeah, of course. It's, it's getting what you need and somewhat finessing. When I go around these celebrities, uh, I'll act a certain way. But when I leave, out of everybody that's in that room, they're going to remember who I was. Whether it's good PR or bad PR, I'm going to stick my neck out, maybe do some things I wouldn't normally do. And I would say, make these people remember you. The other thing is, after starting to get money doing these different things, I figured out that I just had an incredible gift for computers. I taught at the university. The professors were like, I was teaching them programs that I had stolen off the internet and taught them how to do these programs before they yeah. came out okay right. so it was it was pretty cool that they were like man this guy just gets it in one day yeah so with a lot of these celebrities they have these macs and whatever 
I, I soup up their max in an incredible way. And so it's like giving them a gift. A lot of times I do it for nothing. But then they always look out for me. So in Chicago, the act of following, you'll be a very successful man. You, you follow somebody else's dream, you help them, and it'll bless you in the end. Mm -hmm. So this is how I got here. When I was a kid, I used to come down the street wishing I could just have a house in Beverly Hills, Chicago, until I finally got that house. I remember just wishing I could have one McDonald's hamburger. Just like, please, yeah. like God, can I have one? I don't even want that now. Yeah. I want steak and lobster. Yeah, stuff. there you go. You know? yeah, yeah. But it's, it's the fact that when I got here, I was like, well, maybe I need to have a nice little sports car and a nice little soccer mom van for the wife or whatever, okay, with my, all my kids. Then my neighbor pulls out in a yellow Ferrari. And I realized all this like self pushing of oneself up is just crap. Yeah. And if you see somebody that has an extreme talent, an extreme talent, what I've realized is that if I go to them, help them with some capital, help them go down the lane, that they're in, they will figure out that they will do this job nonstop, 24 hours a day, loving what they do, but this is their calling in life. They were meant to be a cinematographer. And so I help them, Lorenzo, you know, I, I, Lorenzo's an incredibly talented cinematographer. He was in Italy, and I think that there were times where I would help him fly back and forth, and he would find ways to get money to fly back and forth. But I was like, man, anything I can do to help you with this dream, and Lorenzo was like, man, if I could just end up living in America and this, and I said, man, we'll work it out. I don't know what it's gonna take, but we're gonna do it. This guy is now shooting videos for Atlantic and, and uh, uh, Ultra Music, Sony, uh, becoming this luxury brand, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Warner uh, for PVRIS and Dimitri Vegas like Mike. We were ushering, uh, we were um, negotiating the usher and black coffee video, you know, I don't think things worked out exactly. But it's the fact that this guy in his lane has become incredibly successful by just doing what he's called to do. Yeah, yeah. So, so many times we want to do things on our own and do it our own way. Yeah. You know, but if you realize that the key to success might just be helping other people achieve their highest dream. Mm -hmm. You're not God. You're not omnipresent. You can't be everywhere at once. The only way to obtain the absolute wealth that you would like to is by helping other people do this. And then uh, an in another income will come to you. Well, maybe you help them in some ways here and there or just sitting on your ass, actually. Yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah, uh, man. I mean, like, that's exactly like, um, for one, thank you for sharing all that. I mean, that's like, everything is hitting like nail on the head, especially when it comes to, uh, this isn't at the end of the day, this may be my show, but it's not about me. Mm. This isn't the Ben Slowey show. This is the, 
this is the show where I bring on people to talk about what gives them meaning, what their calling is, you know, what it is that they're making sense of in this world, you know, like how, and, you know, like, yeah, like I'll chime in and we can compare and we can contrast and we can, you know, we can have a discussion about different things that we're passionate about, but, you know, that, but that's like the love, you know, mm-hmm. that is, that's, that's where we are finding love in this world. Like we're creating that energy together right here. Like it's vibing in this room right now, you know, between mm-hmm. you and me, between any guest I have on this show is like, it's, that's all, it's all the, it's a product of a voluntary interaction you and I decided to have because we believed in each other enough to do it. Right. I agree. Man, people just got to get a lot of those people in their life away from them that just bring just extreme negativity. Yeah. Um, they just want to knock you when you're trying your best. Sometimes you have to separate yourself from them. Yeah, you do. You know, and you have to find, sometimes you got to find new friends. Mm-hmm. Some people say no new friends. They got the friends they want, whatever. But when I think about money, I have this... Uh, thing in my head, and that is if Bill Gates, Ben, if Bill Gates or Warren Buffett said, you can have everything that I own, my boats, my yachts, uh, all the ladies. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know, I'm just kidding. You can have it all, but you gotta do one thing. You have to trade your young age for my old age. For all that, would you do it? God, no. Never, No. never. Not even if it was three years. No. Not even if it was ten years. My point is, money, which a lot of people are running to get, you got to work hard. But come on, man. That's not the most precious commodity on earth. God, no. It's the emotional fulfillment that not only I get doing what doing this, but also how it makes other people feel and how we can make the world a better place. For but all of us. I, but I, I feel like happiness is important, but time, time might be the most precious commodity. Mm-hmm. And if you said no, like you did, that means that every damn day that Ben slowly wakes up, it's worth a million dollars. Easily said. Yeah. Every day that you wake up is a new day to do something that's going to change the world. Mm-hmm. And... I'm, I'm sorry, if we don't look at this time that we have and we utilize it, we bring other people in that we trust, uh, we, we're going to fail. Yeah. It's, or you, you might get lucky, but then you're still going to have a couple pieces in that puzzle missing. It, it, takes, it takes a lot of people to come together mm-hmm. and push this Ben Slowy <laughs> podcast or whatever it is, yeah. you know. There's a, uh, there's a quote that I say often, and that is, uh, in the end, we only regret the chances we didn't take, the relationships we were too afraid to have, mm-hmm. and the choices we took way too long to decide. That's real. That's super real, man. I wouldn't, you know, give one day of my life away to live an entire lifetime of somebody else's, you know, like it's, this is my journey, man. Like, and this is, and just as it's your journey, that's subjective to you. And like, you know, we're all like, you know, like 
I think that, that what you said about time is is definitely it's so real. Like I, you know, like it's I, I've been talking about this with uh, artists and creatives on the show like a lot recently. Is that like you know you you, you can't skip steps. There's 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 no mm-hmm. there's just no capacity in which you can like skip a step and. It, what? Somehow end up with that knowledge and that expertise and that master of your craft if you didn't walk the walk to get there. You know, like, there's this whole, you know, and it comes with, like, this idealized, like, instant gratification that people think. They're like, oh, yeah, like, if I, you know, if I, like, uh, put on this one show mm-hmm. that ends up going well, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get noticed. Or I put out this one song and uh, people are going to hear it and it's going to get me a record deal. Or this is... And it's because, you know, even if you did ideally, like, succeed in that, like, even if even if hypothetically something like that did blow up, what? it's like, for what? You know, for what? Like, mm-hmm. what, do you, what now? What's next? Are you going to make another song? Are you going to keep putting on shows that are going to be bigger and bigger are you going to continue to innovate them are you going to continue to innovate your craft or are you going to are you going to plateau yeah. and you're going to be more miserable than ever like I agree yeah you know um, I would say here's some advice for some people right now that are trying to do music I think this distro kid is probably not that I'm I don't work for the company or anything distro kid is probably the best the digital distribution right now you're not doing anything unless you have, you know, unless you're with some distribution company. Your name's not even out there. Uh, number two, you don't always have to go with a pro, which is, you know, you got your uh, BMI or ASCAP. If you're not doing worldwide sales, mm-hmm. uh, I, I did not want to go with the pro because I didn't want to have to deal with the rigmarole for a while. Yeah. I also, I didn't want uh, a placement in like, a, I don't know, some sort of underwear commercial or whatever. <laughs> To be like my, he made all this money from that. So I tried to stay away from getting a lot of things that are out there in the public eye. It was more of a sell uh, for me. And I like staying, you know, pretty chill. Over in Morgan Park, I had a spot. A lot of the artists would come by. Hood, gangster, everything to my studio. And I know some big names. I shouldn't even say it. But I would even say like people like, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Because um, it was getting kind of gangster. There was a guy, and he was there at the studio. He leaves for like a month, and he comes back. He's walking with a limp. I'm like, man, you all right? He's like, no, nah, man, I got shot up on the block. Oh, shit. They, they had to remove my leg at the hip. And at that moment, I realized, like, I got kids and stuff, you know. Um... And so I sort of made a lot of money, but then I dropped all that, and I was like, man, you know what am I actually... They were, everybody was respectful, but what am I putting my family through? So I finally moved over to Central Beverly, and this is where I reside. Every once in a while, I have someone come through that's suspect, but everybody keeps on the level, you know? Mm-hmm. But if you're not about the grind, if you're not about putting yourself out there, I see a lot of these guys, they do just some real hammy stuff and put themselves out there um, mm-hmm. that uh, end up being successful. 
believe it or not. Uh, mm -hmm. You're just being all afraid to put yourself out there. You got to go and you got to try. You got to fail. Show me a man that's never failed and I'll show you a failure. You know, I haven't seen you too much of you in the last uh, year or so. I guess what have you been up to now? Well, just recently, um, I've been working with Joe Smooth, who worked with uh, Whitney Houston, Shaka Khan, Beyonce. Uh, he's helped start Daft Punk's career. Uh, he's, he's done a lot of things. He's one of the founders of house music, and house music started here in Chicago. I'm seeing a lot of people gravitating towards, uh, you got like Kanye West moving to some sort of house stuff, and Frank Ocean is looking more towards Detroit techno house and other stuff. Uh, Vic Mensa, he's, you know, uh, a lot of these, these artists are, people are getting tired of a lot of the trap, the, the same sound. You see artists singing now that were rappers and you see this and you see more instrumentation, more live music. Um, I believe that in the space, they're looking for a new invention in the same space. I'm not saying to sign with a label, but even fans and people, they want to see something different. Age is not a requirement these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, thanks to the millennials, they've pushed this sort of thing of like, if it's innovative, it's, if it's something new and cool, then it's hot, you know? Yeah. So I, I sang on this track that I did with Robert Bond and Joe, and uh, in the UK, they're just eating it up. But a lot of artists are thinking so limited to the United States market. But if you think about the exchange rate of money, a pound is like something like a dollar eighty-seven here. Mm -hmm. So if you made a hundred grand, you made a hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollars. <laughs> think about that. Or you made a million. You know, it's it's in the Dominican Republic. It's like one dollars thirty-nine dollars. Damn. <laughs> in Mexico, they're actually somewhat of a wealthy country. Believe it or not, I'm not saying that anything about. In Mexico, it's just that one dollar is ten dollars. So that I mean shows the exchange rate. Uh, Africa is a wealthy country. You you don't know if Ben. Let's say you were making music that somewhere in Nigeria or Zimbabwe, your music is just going to take off like wildfire. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people have these little small explosions here and there, but you need nuclear bombs to go off here and maybe overseas. So I would say start trying to look at these other markets and across the board, bread and butter over there in the UK is house music. So this company has worked with, they started off I think like, you know, with people like uh, Billy Ocean and the Spice Girls, whatever. And now they've worked with some bigger name artists like, you know, your, your Sam Smith or other people, you know. And I think that going down that lane, they really like the tone. They can't match it. So they immediately said, Professor, this is, you're going to be the artist. I'm like, I'm going to be the artist? <laughs> okay, fine. So I, I signed with them with a free agent type of deal. I took, I didn't take a lot of the money up front because I wanted to be in the percentages knowing that they'll push it in their market mm -hmm. with a major label and all these other things. So, um, you know, that's what I'm doing now. And also, when I was younger, I was at Barry Rose's studio in Lamont where kids these days were recording. And um, I got to know the families real well. I knew, uh, I even had uh, 
Sticks, Chance's drummer, come out. My brother owns a big church out in the south. And uh, there's more to that story, but that's another day. Yeah, right. Uh, but I would bring them out to play the drums or play the trumpet or whatever there. So it was like being around their, their family. Um, I got to know them pretty well. You would never know that you know they would take off the way that they did and uh, with Vic and those guys. But, uh, you know, there was some little bit of uh, tension in the group or whatever, but... In the end, I think they met up with Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Oh, yeah. I think he worked on Trap House Rock and nice. whatever, and I saw that happen. And uh, just recently, uh, Sticks does a uh, thing called Sticks Jam Night, and I came out there and you know got love from Chance or whatever. Awesome. Um, I brought Julius with me. Shout out to our good brother, Julius. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and uh, I, I look at Sticks, and the, the guy up there is this dude that was singing, real talented artist. And he said, uh, anybody out there thinks they can do what this artist can sing? I said, yeah. I said, well, that, that would be me. I'm going to come up there. Yeah. And Sticks was like, what? Come on, man. Come on. So I go up there, I start singing. The place starts going up, you know, and then I'm harmonizing with the guy. And then Chance, he waits for the hottest part of the night to come up there. Yeah. And I think that he came up there during the time where I was singing. And uh, he starts doing some songs. I'm up there for a couple songs that he was doing up there. Really a great night, uh, awesome time. But it, it's more pushing on that. I wish I had have uh, done more things with those young guys. Yeah. I wish I had have invested. I wish I had have uh, believed even more. And those are things I look back on and say, look, everybody has a talent. Mm -hmm. If if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, that fish is going to think it's the dumbest living thing. Uh, ever yeah, okay right uh we're all geniuses mm -hmm. and sometimes it only just takes someone saying hey man i believe in you i see what you're doing let's put some money behind it just work out a small stake in what you're doing and uh it'll it'll always come back to bless you yeah you know total so, dude like when you uh back when you uh invested in our team back when we were still doing j3 like mm -hmm two years ago like that was man that, like that was the first one of the first times i really like fully believed in myself that like mm. you know the people that i hang out with do dope shit and we need to like mm -hmm. you know like we can if we actually like put our heads together and if we actually like you know um network with some folks and uh you know put some kind of cohesive plan together uh have a space where people could create like you know maybe we could actually like we can find our find that calling and you know it was an era we all learned from it but mm -hmm. we all everyone who was a part of that for the most part that's still uh doing their thing they all found their calling and uh, mm -hmm. i like i like to think i have and uh, man like if i hadn't met you if if like you hadn't uh you know, um, become involved in, in the picture that we were doing, you know, man, like it, it really truly like, uh, it was inspiring. It was inspiring for all of us. And, uh, it was just, uh, and at the end of it, like you invested in the young people and, uh, it changed our lives for sure, man. So I have to thank you. Oh man. Well, <laughs> I look back on that time with a lot of love, man, respect you guys, you know, um, I think that 
things could have even went better. But I think yeah. that people had different thoughts, agendas, and whatnot, you know. But it's it's all about having that team that sticks together to the mm-hmm. to the better end. You yes. Know? Yeah. And uh, we we learned a lot. Yeah, we sure did. You know. Huh? And uh, I I all in all, I think that there's so many people out there that you know if if we could build something, uh, you give me five people that's loyalty above all else, mm-hmm. dedicated. Yeah. Uh, to just come and work, I could show you at the end of the year that we could pull in anywhere between a hundred grand to a, almost somewhere around four hundred thousand dollars at the end Damn. if we all work together. We all grinded for one particular goal. For all the people out there, do what I did. Get you a shack. I don't care what it is, but buy it. Forget these cars. Forget all that stuff. You get you a place where you can lay your head. You'll never be homeless. That's number one. I don't care if you got to go down to the pantry to get food or whatever you got to, or get you, I don't care what it is. Right. But if you're a talented engineer or artist, build a studio. Number one, build a studio in that small space. Make it the hottest. You may not have a lot, but just build a studio, build wealth. It'll build wealth over time. When you're done with that place, rent it out to somebody else. Yeah. If you're cinematography, podcast, mm-hmm. put a green screen up on one wall yeah. and have a, have a studio. Just make sure there's a room where you can sleep. Yeah. You don't need much. Just the size of a garage that might have a bath, whatever. Yeah. And it would build wealth for you while you're not even there. The engineers would come. One other thing, I own a couple studios. Yeah. Right. And I wanted to say that with those studios... You can also get someone, if you have an LLC established, you can go to Columbia College, get an intern. They'll be working for you for a grade. So they're going to work hard. Yeah. These interns would clean up the studio and whatever, but they'd sit behind the head engineer. At the end, I would have them take over for the head engineer. And um, there are many ways that people don't want to look and see. Uh, that job you're working at is not going to bring you the wealth that you want. I don't care what corporate America job, you should be building up wealth for you to do what you are meant to do. Mm-hmm. And if that sticks with you, I think then I've done my job, you know? Yeah. So, uh, leaving out, I'll say this one other quote that is, uh, you can't whistle a symphony. It, <laughs> take, it, it, it takes a like short to do that. I like that. I like you know? that a lot, yeah. And uh, sometimes you got to turn your back on the crowd to lead the orchestra. This, this is the biggest point. Six months of dedicated, nonstop, hard work, not thinking it's just going to fall in my lap, to that specific goal. Six months will set you up five years ahead in your life for just six months of grinding and determination. Uh, never underestimate the power of perseverance and be confident in what you do. So you heard the professor. <laughs> he told you, man, that's, 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 that's awesome, man. That's, that's great. Like you're so right about like how you don't need that much to build. No, you know, no. you don't need like the state of the art facility, the state of the art equipment. You, mm-hmm. you know, there's, 
there's some things you need. I mean, I had to buy that camera right there, uh, mm-hmm. but I got it off a friend who who so generously, our good friend Jack Fricky. Oh, okay. He sold me that. Jack. Good old Jack. Good old Jack. Uh, mm-hmm. Bought the the mic uh, attached to it for twenty five bucks and uh, bought a hard drive. And that was, but and then I bought a you know several months down the line, the banner came in the picture, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's you know like yeah, like you you build, you know, like it's it's um. And I think that uh, separating short term and long term goals is definitely a really that's that's what's really been guiding me a lot. Like, um, uh, where do I want to see myself? A month from now, what do I want to have accomplished? Okay, what about six months from? What about a year? Right, right. Um, which uh, has been uh, suiting us well. Um, so, uh, so Caleb, uh, Prof, as we close out, I ask ever in Chicago, Illinois, in Chicago, Illinois, <laughs> Beverly Hills, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, as we close out, I ask every guest I have the same two questions. As we close out, tell me what keeps you up at night. Hmm. Always creating. Creating. The the aspect of creation. Making another track. Writing. Yeah. Um, and then also, we got a newborn baby. That yeah. keeps me up at night. <laughs> Congrats. Congratulations. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a true blessing right there. Uh, what puts you to sleep, though? That's the second question. What puts me to sleep? Yeah. Knowing that I've squeezed out as much as I can in one day, uh, being fulfilled, um, I think the point is be content with where you're at. And uh, remember, we've lost it in this day and age, helping others that are talented. Yeah. Helping others, we've lost it, man. Mm-hmm. We've got to bring it back. Yeah. This is the reconstructionist era of creative talent and of synergy between talented people. Yeah, I just think if you can get out of a day uh, as much as you can, value your time. Don't wait till you're old to wish you had done those things. You know, Uh, do it now. Do it right now. And uh, for you writers out there, if you write a page a day, at the end of a year, you'll have a, what, 356-page novel. 65, yeah. Three, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it took some weeks off. Of right, 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 right. But yeah. even if you wrote a half a page a day, you still have a novel at the end of that year. Maybe type it on your phone. And, and never, ever miss anything. Record. Record everything. Throw nothing away. I well, hate when I hate it, it breaks my heart when I see people do that. Never ever lose anything. Back up. So anyway, Ben, it's been one. I hope uh, part two will come soon. <laughs> it very much will. Yes, sir. Um, so uh, I hope that everyone who watched up to this point, uh, you know, uh, took a lot away from what the professor had to say. Uh, this was a real treat, a uh, real privilege, and uh, I'm just I'm. I'm uh, very uh, happy and uh, I'm thankful that I can call you a friend, man. This has been really beautiful. Thank you for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We will see you next time.